Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) We're live. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. You feeling happy? I am. I want to share your good thing right off the bat. Oh my gosh, yes. Change it up. Yeah, usually we share at the end, but I'm going to share my good thing at the beginning because, oh my god, you guys, I am so blown away by the response I've gotten on TikTok. What the heck? Yeah. What the heck? TikTok is like our new thing. It's so cool. We're, we're living for TikTok. I love it so much. And like, honestly, shortening all those stories down to like a little one minute like snippet is fun. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, hard. Yeah, if you're here from TikTok, like, thank you for coming. <laughs> I'm so happy we you're here. We welcome you. Yes, we welcome you. Ugh. But anyway, I'm excited for the for part two. For part two. Yeah. What is the last thing that you remember, Stephanie? What is the last thing that I remember? Uh, I remember he got away from the FBI for like, what, the third time? Yeah. Uh, he was counting them. Yeah. And then he was going to go to another country. That's what I remember. That's about it. Yeah. So that is correct. Um, and I guess we'll just jump in. Wait, but, but don't first, we? Yeah, we have one more thing. <laughs> but first, we have our first ad. Yay! <laughs> so... Today's episode is brought to you by the Cash App. Cash App is the easiest way to send and receive money, invest in stocks, and trade Bitcoin. If you sign up with our referral code GHMRWQV, all you have to do is send $5 within the first 14 days of opening your account, and you'll get $10 back. When you use our referral code found in the description of this week's episode, because I know that is not a memorable code, (laughs) you help support us and you get $10 when you send $5 within the first 14 days. So download the app, use our referral code and get $10 and send $5 to get 10. Yeah, it's cool. You it's I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, you get $10 when you send five. It's pretty cool. And it's just like Venmo. So it's like really good to have because you never know if someone has like one or the other. So you might as well have both, you know? Yeah. And you can invest and trade Bitcoin on top of it all. Stonks. Stonks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So on the back of the GameStop uh, story that I was super excited about this week, this app is very relevant. Yeah. Um, let's jump in. But with, yeah, with that over, let's jump into the story. Stuff is absolutely correct. Colton has just evaded the FBI after returning to a house that he was squatting in. Only to find that the FBI was there and then he took off running. Again, like Sonic the Hedgehog. Because that's what he is. Who hides in trees. And so he has once again evaded the FBI. Um, And months pass after this before, uh, without any Colton sightings. So at this point, rumors began to circulate that he had died in the wilderness. And after a while... His mother contacted a local news station to publish a message to Colton, imploring him to contact her somehow so that she could be reassured that the rumors weren't true and that Colton was, in fact, still alive. Oh, right. I think you talked about this in the last... I did, yeah, but yeah. I wanted to remind yeah, you guys. Yeah. I'm going to do a little little recap. Yeah, I'm glad you did. So his mom basically is like, he might be dead. Yeah, I mean, so, I, it's not super hard to imagine yeah. because he's been running from the cops for what two years now and he's living in the wilderness and like who god god only knows what else yeah but anyway didn't he like spray his foot or something on here we go here we go there it is he sprayed his foot uh in a way so 
Shortly after this, a spray-painted foot was found at a local dock, which was Colton's signature in a way, because earlier he had drawn a number of footprints with chalk and wrote Sia right. at the end of it. Um, and the news media just ate it up. And yeah. it just kind of become, like, in addition to the Barefoot Bandit, this kind of became his signature. Mm-hmm. So him doing that was kind of his sign to his mom, like, yeah, I'm still alive. Well, that's good. Still here. It's also probably like a little fuck you to the police. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, a little vandalism, but, yeah. you know, whatever. Just take the paint off. And um, <laughs> the authorities assured, or didn't assure, the authorities said that there was no evidence to tie this to Colton Harris Moore, but honestly, the fact that they were saying that meant everyone <laughs> knew that it was him. Right. <laughs> so during this time... Colton continued stealing boats from local marinas to island hop around the Kamano Island area and kept moving while being pursued by the FBI and local police. And local, um, the local people were furious, both that Colton was being propped up as a folk hero and that he had not yet been caught by the local police or the FBI. And to remind everyone, it's been about Two years. Yeah, that's That they've crazy. been trying to catch this kid. Right. And they can't do it. He's been stealing from people, and they're pissed. They thought that they would be the next to be stolen from, and they were holding t- uh, town meetings to discuss the situation, and during these town meetings, some were expressing that they wanted him dead. Oh. So they have no place in their heart for Colton. Yeah. They want him gone. They want him in jail in any way that they can. And they actually um, had bounty hunters come in at this point to help with the manhunt. And the bounty hunters were assuring locals that they were doing something outside of the police who, in their eyes, had proven to be inept at catching Colton. Wow. So they're they're like, they're bringing in anything that they can uh, yeah. think of. And one of the bounty hunters, Mike Roca said that his plan to catch Colton was to eliminate the places that he was comfortable with. So they began patrolling. The wilderness? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, he wasn't exclusively living in the wilderness, yeah. remember? Because he was, like, you know, staking out in airplane hangars. Right, right. Um, at vacation houses. So they started to patrol airplane hangars and marinas where he's stealing boats. And... Um, just places around uh, the neighborhood trying to keep eyes on all the houses. But, I mean, the police have been already have already been doing this. Yeah. So this is another layer, but, you know, it's kind of a shot in the dark, to yeah. be honest. But nevertheless, they were patrolling uh, all these places to kind of cut down on where he could steal from or uh, seek refuge in. So boats and cars were everywhere patrolling, and the... Uh, area of Kamano Island was basically on lockdown. And the bounty hunter that I mentioned, uh, Mike Roca, uh, they actually, in the documentary I watched, had like showed a segment of him talking to this town hall meeting. And um, this guy kind of seemed like a hard ass. Mm. So I couldn't, um, I don't know. I just kind of, it brought me joy to, to know that he didn't actually... Catch him. Get, catch him. <laughs> a bit of a chotch. Yeah, he was. He called himself a recovery agent, oh. which I found strange. And 
during the town meeting, he said, you guys might not want to hear this, but we are hunting a pretty sharp individual. We're going to be here on site physically, but you know, <laughs> but you won't know when we're here. He won't know when we're here. And we've already started to get tips that I'm sure the local police don't have. And I thought that this, like, this uh, line from him was, like, what made me think that he was a hard house. Like, you don't know when we're going to be here, but we're going to be here. And yeah. we're going to be hunting him. And he doesn't know. And we know things. And I'm like, okay, cool, dude. I like the voice you gave him. It really paints a picture. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's it was something to see. But, I mean, these people are just grasping at straws. They're like, dude, anything. Can you get him? Try. I don't care. Just give it a shot. Right. Uh, so, it's at this point, his mother does know that he's alive, but is extremely worried and uh, fears that if Colton is arrested on Kamano Island, that he would be shot. And when asked what she would get him as a Christmas present, she said that she would get him a bulletproof vest. Ooh, damn. So mom is worried. Yeah. As I, I'm sure anyone would be. Yeah. So because, I mean think like the people in the town meetings are like some of us want him dead yeah that's You're crazy like, and I mean, that's your son he's still 17 right he's not he is 19 at oh this he's point. 19 oh right because two lo two years um yeah okay well i mean it's, it's still not great he's still a kid <laughs> yeah he's still a kid yeah. that's that's like not chill <laughs> i yeah, mean not chill <laughs> i know that i know that uh you know what he's been doing isn't really chill either but also like murder <laughs> you want to kill him he's a yeah. kid but yeah. but yeah at least to stop him from stealing. That, well, yeah. That would be great. I understand the pull to want to stop him from stealing, but, uh, you know, killing him is a bit extreme. Uh, I will agree with that. <laughs> so, uh, like I alluded to earlier, the bounty hunters were not successful, and I took a little pleasure in that. <laughs> uh, and I don't think that that's wrong. So, authorities realized that Colden had moved south toward Tacoma after they found a letter at a local animal hospital with $100 stashed inside that said, quote, drove by, had some extra cash. Please use this money for the care of the animals. Signed, Colton Harris Moore, a.k.a. the Barefoot Bandit, so, Camino Island, Washington. So he's like, I had a little extra spending money here. Use it on these animals? Yeah. And he donated it. He essentially donated it to this animal hospital interesting and they were like well he's no longer in Camino island yeah <laughs> he's moving south so tacoma uh for people who don't know is a little south of seattle um and seattle's like northwest right washington yeah so that's where we're at so i kind of wrote my notes like doe <laughs> like we didn't find him <laughs> oops like like, <laughs> like homer simpson oh yeah yeah and um so yeah the the bounty hunters were not successful and it is at this point um, that Colton starts to execute his plan to leave the United States and continues to move across the country, leaving a trail of stolen cars. He would drive each car until it ran out of gas and then steal another as a replacement to keep going. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks so much for the people whose cars he just freaking stole. Yeah, but I guess it could have been worse because he drove it until it ran out of gas, but then you could just you would still get your car back. That's true, I guess. As long as they found it. Which, I mean, I'm sure they would find it because if you're looking for it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's trying to hide it, yeah. really. Yeah. And this whole time, the FBI were always left a couple days behind uh, just because he, of his pace. He just yeah. kept moving. That's insane. So. Is this kid just, like, on speed? Like, what the hell? 
I don't he just kept moving. Yeah. Never stayed one place. So Colton ended up moving through Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming, South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana. Wow. So if you look at the U.S. map, he's basically just making a beeline east Yeah. on this escapade. Damn. So he does take like some detours, but he's basically just moving straight east. Yeah. And along his journey, Colton broke into six different airplane hangars looking for the perfect plane to execute his ultimate plan to leave the United States. So, not surprised. Right. At the end of this spree, Colton had traveled nearly 2,000 miles, crossed nine states, which I mentioned earlier, and stolen 12 cars. Wow. That... 12 cars. Damn. He's 19. That's nuts. Yeah. So, he just cannot be stopped. And... It is in Bloomington, Indiana, that Colton finally finds his perfect plane and camps out in a nearby patch of woods to stake the airfield out, looking for his window of opportunity to steal his dream plane. His dream plane. Yep. That's what a funny phrase. I know, right? <laughs> like, what a crazy, like, he literally learned how to fly planes on YouTube, might, might I remind everyone. Yep. Uh, and... What, now he's just... Like, that's some movie shit. Like, that's yeah. not real. That's crazy. But, it, I mean, it is real, but... It is real. It's, wow, that's why I chose this story. It's just... Uh, it's unbelievable his true. dream plane. Shut dream up. Dream plane. <laughs> <laughs> and for his 16th birthday, his mom bought him Cessna 500, his dream plane. <laughs> right. In any case, on July 3rd, two, uh, 2010... Colton Harris steals his dream plane, Cessna 400, and flies 1,200 miles south to Abaco Island in the Bahamas. Ooh. So he is flying from Indiana to the Bahamas. That is a lot. He's 19. How? And how... learned to fly off of YouTube. Yeah, do we know how many hours that is, like flight? I don't know, but I, I would imagine that it's at least five or six. Yeah, that's terrifying mm -hmm. i don't like being in a plane when there's like a very experienced pilot driving me or flying me somewhere yeah. let alone a 19 year old who learned how to do it on youtube yeah well i think yes i would be terrified but colton obviously has a higher tolerance for risk than you since yeah. he's already stolen and crashed four planes i guess that's true yeah so let's remember that yeah he doesn't give a fuck no He's already landed four planes, like, not on an airstrip, like... Just wherever. Wherever. Yeah. He's so a pretty, like, pretty healthy god complex going on. Yeah. And by healthy, I mean unhealthy. <laughs> yes, unhealthy, but he hasn't died yet. That's and he's... True, but he's tempted fate. the FBI and the police for two years. Yeah. So, um, I think if anyone can say that they know what they're doing, it's this kid. I guess so. So... Uh, local fishermen saw Colton land the plane after circling overhead about five or six times. And they were actually pretty impressed with how well he landed the plane in a marshy grassland area. And he, like, leaned the plane back. You know how you, like, the whenever a pilot will land on the... Tarmac? On the tarmac, they'll, like, kind of lean the plane back for a bit, touch the bottom wheels, then mm -hmm. touch the front. Sure. Um, and they were saying he, like, leaned back, uh, the tail kind of hit the the ground, 
and then he landed the front and the only thing that was really broken were the wheels because he's obviously landing in water right and but it was um landed well enough that you could could have repaired the plane wow. if you wanted to damn so he's getting better yeah, I guess the other planes were just practice for the big kahuna, huh? Yeah, and also he's landing in, like, the... I don't know if it was an accurate representation, but they showed, like, um, something similar. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's, like, grass and maybe, like, I don't know, six inches of water. So I was like, if there was a good place to land that wasn't a tarmac, this is probably not half bad. I have no idea. But that's that's insane. Yeah. So he lands the plane... And the FBI follows him to the Bahamas, obviously, after they find out that this plane was stolen from Indiana. Right. And immediately put out a $10,000 reward for any information that would lead to Colton's arrest. And unsurprisingly, Abaco Island, where Colton landed, starts to experience the same break-ins and theft patterns that were observed in Colton's hometown on Camino Island. Why? Because Colton's there, and he needs he needs to eat. He needs to, you know, steal some money. And in some of the first acts while on Abaco Island, Colton broke into a gas station to steal, to steal some Gatorade chips and cash before breaking into someone else's home to steal their car wow. and drive across Abaco Island. So when he breaks into, like, a gas station to get, you know, snacks and also cash, is he... Is it an armed robbery? Is he like, does he have a gun that he's like, hey, give me your cash? Even though he's not maybe intending to use it, how is he like getting the money? Um, I think he's breaking in while they're not open. Oh, sure. Because, that would make a lot more sense, actually. Yeah. The business owner who was describing it yeah. was like, oh, he came in and he did this. Yeah. And it, it was like he wasn't there. Like, sure. I feel like if he was there, he would have been like, I tried to call the police, and then he pointed a gun at me, and yeah. I shit my pants. Right. So I think he, he was smart enough to wait until nobody was there, and then, you know, there's no risk of getting the cops called on you. And Yeah, that makes so, a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a kid who's smart enough to steal an infrared camera from a uh, fire station and right. then use it to break into houses. Right, right. To see if anyone's home. So my guess is he would wait until night and then yeah. break in. Okay. Anyway... One of the local restaurants he broke into actually got him on camera, moving all the cameras to look at the wall so that he wouldn't be detected. Mm -hmm. And he never actually stole from this restaurant, which is weird. Um, My guess is he might have slept there. Um, But for a whole week, Colton Harris Moore is the biggest news story in the world. And the the media is eating this shit up. Because imagine, a 19-year-old steals a plane flies 1,200 miles to the Bahamas, and has already been, like, receiving national recognition for two years. And the FBI still hasn't caught him. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, it's... He's as big as he ever was. Yeah. By orders of magnitude. And currently, he is 3,000 miles from home. Wow. So, he really traveled pretty goddamn quickly. Yeah. He made... He got to work... And um, during this week, Colton actually asked a local internet cafe owner, Ruthie Key Nidabilek, to use her internet to plug in his laptop and talk to his mom. 
He hadn't spoken to her in over a month and told Ruthie that he didn't have any money to pay for the internet. However, Ruthie allowed him to use anyway, taking pity on him. She also made Colton a sandwich after he initially declined since he didn't have any money, but accepted after she insisted. Colton used the internet to contact his mom, ate his sandwich, and thanked Ruthie before he left. Ruthie, I didn't realize that it was him at the time, Mm. but later saw his mugshot, and she said that she had a soft spot for Colton. Mm. She heard of his upbringing and could really relate because her children's father had also left her alone to raise all three of her children when they were very young. Luckily, she had help to raise them, like she had family that helped her to raise them, but she could see that Colton was a product of a bad environment, and quote, my heart went out to him. Ruthie. Yeah. Making my heart hurt. (laughs) Yeah, and she wasn't the only one on the island. Uh, Several other people kind of related or took pity on his story. Um and kind of had an attitude of, like, I don't want him to get caught. Yeah. So um, that's how they're feeling. I'm sure that if it continued for two years, they would stop feeling that way. But initially they were, um, they felt bad for him. And after after this, Colton really got back to his roots and stole a boat from a local marina. Right. So we're getting back back to the basics here. He eventually drove by some locals at a nearby dock and told them that he was the barefoot bandit, Colton Harris Moore. Mm -hmm. They played dumb because they wanted to lure him in for the $10,000 reward. So they're like, oh, who's that? Like, come on over, dude. (laughs) And Colton was like, eh, no. But he implored them to call the cops so that they would chase him because he was bored. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Are you kidding? That, oh my, of course he did that. Yeah, of course. Of course he did that. Of course. She's a little bored. Yeah. The Bahamas not too, not exciting enough for you, Colton? Jesus Christ. Nope. He's bored. He needs some excitement in his life. Come on, guys. And, uh, you know, this kind of just speaks to where he was at. And, um, actually, something I didn't mention is that the bounty hunter, who was the hard ass, he actually, um... He was like, most people that I am trying to capture are like free, like happy to just kind of blend in and, you know, they're cool with everything being quiet. But Colton was the exact opposite. He was, his ethos was just like, come get me. Yeah. Catch me if you can. Wow. There was no subtlety That's happening. <laughs> so. I'm um, bored. Just want to get into a quick police chase. <laughs> yeah. And the, the people who are like recalling the story, they're like, what? heck is wrong with this kid he's like come like get the chopper like call the fbi like let's go and they're like this kid's crazy that's (laughs) insane so you know (laughs) they're trying to lure him in and they actually call their friends who had a boat so they could chase him Mm. uh because they're trying to get the ten thousand dollar reward and as soon as they like start talking to their friends on the phone colton's like okay don't want to talk anymore and he like speeds off because they know that he's they're either calling the police or someone yeah so they actually their friends hop in their boat and chase after colton in their boat and uh they chased him up and down the the harbor and could not catch him the driver of the boat one of their friends was actually a captain and had extensive uh, experience in driving boats and even he was like 
this kid knew how to maneuver. Like he did some maneuvers to get away from him that were like pretty advanced. And I was like, from what YouTube? I don't know. Just experience. Remember, like he was. Yeah. He made a living like stealing boats yeah, yeah, yeah. and island hopping. So like he. He knows how to. I'm sure that a boat. he took a ton of joy rides. Yeah, and I'm so sure he, he, knows. he. I mean, if he's just stealing random people's boats, he's getting a lot of experience on like a bunch of different types of boats. You know. Yeah. That's crazy. So he kind of had like a little apprenticeship for himself. <laughs> yeah. So he does. He manages to evade them. And um, he pretty much crash lands the boat into the marina and hops out of the boat and starts running through the property. He bumps into a local security guard and takes off running through the property, jumps over a bunch of hedges, and the security guard chases after him. He chases him into a bush and calls the local police to come get him, thinking that he would kind of like stay in the bush, which was probably you know not going to be true right given history um but he the police do show up and they quarantine the area locking it down from his escape and the chief police officer quickly realized the gravity of the hunt that they were embarking on they're like okay this is this is like, the guy this is the guy mm. like be at your best so the cameras at the marina had actually caught him on camera um stealing the boat and it was then that they knew for sure that it was him. And in this video, he is barefoot. Barefoot. Of <laughs> so, course he is. Living up to his legend. So the, uh, the police chief scrambles two teams of cops, basically anyone who was active duty and anyone who was on call or off duty, like, just get over here. It's going down. So one, uh, one, of, one team was patrolling the beach, and the other was staking out his location with the security officer had last seen him. So they're pretty much just waiting, trying to close off uh, the area from him, uh, from him escaping and playing a waiting game. However, Colton managed to evade the police on the beach and that were staking out his location because he waded into the water of the marina and actually got into one of the boats that was moored there. Local boat owners then noticed a boat leaving the marina with its lights off and moving really slow. And, quote, that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they're, I mean, these are just normal people, like, hanging out at the boat docks, like, you know, having a good time. Yeah. And then they're like... Kicking it? Yeah, people are like, you know, like, Colton Harris Moore's here, like, keep an eye out like did, is anything stolen from your boats like you guys might want to go check um and then they see this boat leaving and colton like as soon as he gets out just rips it and starts uh speeding away and since the police came in like from their car they didn't have a boat to chase after him right so come on but wait so um they <laughs> conspire with the local boat owners mm-hmm and use their boat to chase after him. Oh my god. So there's this ragtag team of locals and the police. police that are loaded into their boats and they just took off after Colton. That is crazy. You'd think if you knew that you were circling Colton, whatever his last name is, at a marina, someone who was notorious for stealing boats and being able to get away from people, you'd have a police boat too. Yeah, but... Maybe they were on the way, but I don't, like... Maybe. 
who knows where their boats are yeah. moored if they have boats at all. Like they I probably guess. would have to. Well, I mean, Coast Guard is like police boats, no? True, but they probably would need like a couple hours to scramble it. I guess. I don't know. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm just reading the story here. No, I know. Hey, man, I just work here. <laughs> just work here, man. Um, what do you want from me? No, I mean, it's just like, like, I don't know if this is like top priority, like high profile case. It's like, come on. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, in any case, they speed after Colton, who is quite some distance ahead of them because of the head start that he got. But unluckily for Colton, he hit a sandbar because he didn't, he wasn't using the, um, I don't know what to call it, the like sensor the on, yeah, the depth sensor. Yeah. Um, so he hit a sandbar and pretty much stopped his boat in its tracks. And this allowed uh, the squad that was chasing him to get close, close enough to, you know, capture him. The police pointed their guns and barked at him to turn himself over. And Colton threw his laptop in the water and pointed a gun at his head, threatening to kill himself, saying that he couldn't go back. Whoa. All this time, Colton never turned the engine off. So he's slowly moving across the sandbar and into deeper waters because the the motor is basically like like a square wheel, like kind of turning over and sure. slowly moving him across the sandbar. And he turns back to the controls to hit the throttle and uh, make an escape uh, away from them. But it is at this point that the police shoot out his engine, which gave him no option to escape. Oh, my God. And it is at this point that the police hop aboard his boat and arrest him. Damn. Or not his boat, but... Yeah, the boat. The boat. <laughs> and that is how Colton Harris Moore is arrested. Wow. After over two and a half years on the run by the uh, Bahamian police. Bahamian? Is <laughs> that what they're called? Bahaman. <laughs> I've seen Bahaman and Bahamian. Oh, okay. The police of the, the Bahamas. Bahamas. Sure. There you go. <laughs> so they wow. were able to do what the U.S. police and FBI were not able to do. Yeah, I mean, well, honestly, it's kind of Colton's fault because he was the one that was like, "Call the police on board." Yeah, he Shut flew up. a little <laughs> too close to the sun on this one. Yeah, for I was sure. gonna say that's like that's very bold of you to assume that you can just get away every single time, Colton. Yeah. So it is interesting, though. Had he escaped? His plan was to go to Cuba and then the Turks in Caicos Islands. Caicos? C-A-I-C-O-S. Turks and Caicos? I don't know if that's right, though. Yeah. Um, it's uh, in the Caribbean. Yeah. It's by Cuba. But basically, he was trying to get to a country that did not have an extradition treaty with the United States. Oh, okay, sure. So he was trying to make it for good. So he did want to leave... Like, I'm just, like, what did he think was going to happen? Because you get to that, like, island or wherever that doesn't have that treaty with the U.S., and then, what, you just continue stealing and being a criminal because that's all you know how to do, and then you get arrested by, like, <laughs> Turks and Caicos police? Like, I don't know. Well, <laughs> Is that what you say? <laughs> like, their police, and then you live in their jails and prison systems? Like, I don't know. Like, you, I mean, you, you can't... You have to remember that he's evaded, like, the... I don't know. The FBI is probably the most one of the most renowned 
police organizations of the world, right? Sure, I guess, but like... So do you think he can uh, escape from... Local police again? Local police yeah, again? Yeah, I guess. Like, it's like... In his mind, he's untouchable. I guess. Which he kind of has a lot of evidence for. That's true, he does. But so, I feel like it's only it was only a matter of time. Yeah. You're not perfect every time. You gotta fuck up sometime. And you did. Yeah. Unfortunately. And he did, unfortunately. And it was, you know, <laughs> kind of his fault. Yeah. So... Uh, this is on July 11th, 2010. So Colton pleaded guilty on July 13th, 2010 to illegal entry to the Bahamas and illegally landing a plane. He was sentenced to three months in jail or a $300 fine uh, in the Bahamas. His mother ended up wiring the money to the U.S. Embassy in Nassau, which in turn was used to pay the fine. After this, Colton was deported the same day via overnight commercial flight accompanied by Bahaman authorities and the United States agents uh, from the FBI from Nassau, Bahamas to Miami, Florida. And in a hearing on July 16, 2010, the U.S. District Court of Southern Florida, Judge Dube, <laughs> Judge Dube, <laughs> That's too funny. Sounds Real, like a cool guy. Judge yeah. Dube. Yep, he's uh, he's chilling. I'm sure he's uh, not uptight at all. <laughs> uh, he ruled that Colton would be sent to Washington State to face charges there first because he was arrested under their warrant. Moore waived his right to an extradition hearing. He was held at the Federal Detention Center in Miami until July 21st, at which time he was transferred to the Federal Detention Center in SeaTac, Washington. So he is back home. Mm. He was required to wear handcuffs and leg irons while being transported to Washington to make sure that he wouldn't run away. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Which he's pretty good at doing, if we remember. Right. Uh, A judge set a deadline of November 15th for prosecutors to have Moore formally indicted by a federal grand jury. However, Moore waived his right to a speedy trial, and this permitted both the defense and prosecutors more time to prepare for the case. And on November 18th, 2010, Moore pleaded not guilty in a federal court to charges of interstate transportation of a stolen plane, boat and gun, and of being a fugitive in possession of a firearm and (laughs) of flying a plane without a pilot's license. He pleaded not guilty to that. Hmm. Yep, so... Okay. (laughs) Interesting move. It's funny to be... Um, another side note, on September 30th, 2010, Harley-Davidson Ironwing, which we remember from part one, right. a self-described associate of Moore's... Moore's An associate? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, ...of Moore's burglaries, pleaded guilty to assault and was sentenced to 18 months in prison as well. So that's a little fun side note. And continuing on with Colton's case, on June 17, 2011, federal prosecutors recommended that Moore be sentenced to six years in prison. Moore pleaded guilty to all seven counts on the federal indictment. The Washington State Court, however, recommended that he be sentenced to 10 years in prison for a break-in and burglary near Granite Falls, Washington. And at sentencing... Prosecutors were expecting, uh, Jesus, uh, were expected to ask for a term of nine and a half years, while Moore's attorneys 
Henry, John Henry Brown and Emma Shanlon mm-hmm. were expected to ask for a six-year term, citing psychiatric and mitigation reports described during his bleak childhood. So, this all culminates on December 16, 2011, when Moore was sentenced in Island County Court to more than seven years in prison. Superior Court Judge Vicki Churchill stated, This case is a tragedy in many ways, but it's a triumph of the human spirit in other ways. Describing Moore's childhood as a, quote, mind-numbing absence of hope, she stated the 20-year-old was genuinely remorseful for his crimes. Moore has said that he plans to spend time in prison, studying in preparation for applying to college in order to earn a degree in aeronautical engineering. <laughs> which would going to get the planes, working with more planes? Yeah, I mean, it would be perfect for him. Yeah, that's I, cool. That's... I really thought this whole time, I'm like, if he wasn't spending his time stealing shit, he would have made such an impact on the world. Like, yeah, he he's... obviously is extremely intelligent. Yeah highly motivated and has a ton of energy like yeah. if he would have just put that into like anything, anything else. productive <laughs> literally anything else he would have been a world beater yeah like, for I'm sure convinced uh but it's just a shame that you know he had to it had to go this way and continuing on with this case on january 27 2012 judge richard jones of the federal district court in seattle sentenced more to six and a half years in prison. So remember, he was sentenced for state crimes. Now he's being sentenced for federal crimes. Uh, state was seven. Uh, federal was six and a half years. Um, and the federal charges were for his infamous international crime spree. During sentencing, Moore addressed the court and the U.S. judge, Richard Jones, saying that it is no stretch of the imagination to say that I'm lucky to be alive. His federal sentence will be served jointly uh, with state prison time. So this means that um, he's serving them both at the same time. So he'll only have to do uh, the max sentence. So he'll only have to do seven years. Oh, I thought he was going to have to do both six years and seven years on top. Yeah, I thought that this was called um, serving this uh, the sentences concurrently, yeah. but they said jointly. But okay. that, you know, that's what it means. Yeah. That's um, lucky. Yeah. That is he, very lucky. He got lucky. Yeah, because if, I mean, I guess I, like, if you are charged with, like, multiple crimes, you have to serve each of those sentences, like, separately. This is the first time I'm hearing of someone being able to serve two separate sentences together and not tack any extra, like, time on top. Yeah, I mean, I think he got um, a lot of leeway because of his past. Yeah, well, that's lucky. <laughs> That's very lucky. Yeah. So he uh, he served his time and in July 2016 was released on probation to a halfway house near Seattle. And he has reportedly secured a job at his defense attorney's Seattle law firm doing uh, clerical work. While he's so, in jail? No, he served his term. Oh, he did it already. Uh, and was released on probation in 2016. Oh, oh. Oh, did you say that? I'm sorry. I totally missed that. <laughs> I, I did. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know where my head went. You went You went away for a little bit. Yeah. It's okay. We're back. Uh, <laughs> so this was actually really interesting. So this uh, part of his plea bargain, uh, he, he sold the rights to his life story to 20th, 20th Century Fox for $1.4 million dollars in order to pay restitution to his victims. Oh, okay. So that's wow. 
That's so nice. He sold his story to pay off his victims, and he still has some uh, left to pay, but that was an enormous chunk of what he had to pay to his victims. Wow, he didn't, like... Is that, like, something that he had to do, or is it just something that he, like, wanted to do? Um, I th- I don't know if it's what he wanted to do. Oh, okay. Because I was like, that's, like, an extremely mm-hmm. generous if that's... Yeah. I mean, he did steal from them, so, like, that's the right thing to do, but, like, wow. Yeah. I mean, he was genuinely remorseful, so it wouldn't be surprising to me if um, he if went he, like, along chose... with this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that the, like, 20th century Fox approached them, like, we want to do the story. Sure, yeah. Um, and then they're like, you know, we'll pay for it. Uh, I'm sure that they made way more than whatever they paid for it. Yeah. Or the $1.4 million that they paid for it. And then, you know, you can use this to pay back. So, um, yeah, I think they really gave him a lot of a leeway in the sentencing. So I remember that he uh, was sentenced to six and a half years in 2012, but re- was released in 2016. So he was obviously released early, probably on good behavior. Um, to serve like uh, probation or, or um, kind of like quasi-free uh, sentence. And at I think he still has uh, just under $100,000 to pay back in restitution, but he's working uh, at his defense attorney's law firm now. Yeah. So. Wow. And he hasn't committed a crime in over 10 years. Wow. So. Wow. And yeah, today he's uh, out of jail, and I believe that his probation uh, just recently ended in 2020 because in April of 2019, Colton petitioned to have his supervised release shortened so that he could launch a public speaking career he hoped to use to pay the remaining money in restitution that he owes his victims. And in this article, or in the letter that he wrote to the judge, he had a number of people vouch for him, but he did say that he would have earned over $600,000 had he been able to launch this public speaking career over the time that he was on probation, which I find a little bit hard to believe. Yeah. Seems like a bit of a stretch. I mean, I guess if he's like, if he was really, if it was... Hello. If it truly was as big of a story as like you know everyone knew about it, it was a national spread story. Then yeah. he could go everywhere and talk about it. You know, yeah, so, so maybe he would have made that much money. But it also like it kind of <laughs> sucks for him that like his probation ended in twenty twenty because like yeah, what a year, <laughs> what a shit year to like end your and like finally get your freedom back. Is like now no one has <laughs> kind of freedom. You know? Yeah, right. Like that sucks. Yeah. But, so yeah. he, when he sent that in, he had five months left on his supervised sentence, mm-hmm. and that was April of 2019. So he probably got out, you know, actually before 2020. So he probably had a few months. Yeah, he had a couple months before uh, the old COVID hit. Right. Um, but yeah, he he's free today, um, and seems to be doing well. That's great. on all accounts. Damn. Is he like, does he have family? Is he? Uh, he did. Unfortunately, his mom died Aww. in, I believe, 2018. Aww. So um, I'm not sure who he has left. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that he uh, at least has friends yeah. or knows people at his defense attorney's yeah. office. I wonder they, if it he's... seems like they kind of took him in. Yeah. 
I, I wonder if he's still friends with uh, good old Harley Davidson. Maybe. <laughs> Eagle whatever. What was his name? <laughs> Harley Davidson Ironwing. Ironwing. Has sure. to be the coolest name we've had on the podcast that yet. That, yeah. So, yeah, By maybe far. he hangs out with him. Well, that's Who knows? cool. But, yeah, that is the story of the barefoot bandit, Colton Harris Moore. That's crazy. What a story. I don't even know what else to say about yeah, it. It's just like, what the what the heck? Yeah. So um, I think this story really shows that you can learn and do anything from watching YouTube yeah. videos. <laughs> yeah. Let this let this story be proof that you can truly do anything with YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I still can't believe uh, that it's real. Yeah, even it's... after I've <laughs> researched it, written it down, right. and now I've done two episodes of a podcast on it. Right. And you, so. It, so he sold the story and it was turned into a movie or like a documentary? Like what was it? Uh, it was like a documentary, but mm. they like, you know, dramatized it. They did like some animation. Yeah. Uh, it's a Canadian um, documentary or oh. film uh, called uh, Run, Colton, Run, I think. Run, Joey, run, Joey. Do you know that song? You don't, right? Nope. It's a crazy song. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it's called, but it's something like that. Yeah. Was it good? It was good. It was very good. And um, is he is he like talking in it, or is it just like his story? No, he he actually has no quotes in the entire documentary. It's wow. everyone else talking about him, about him, or about what he did. Yeah, I guess I guess they would have had to pay him pay him so much more if he was actually in it. Yeah, also, I feel like it might have been a little difficult if he's in prison. Oh, <laughs> right. That old thing. That old detail. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Can they Can they get, like, a film crew in the prison? I don't see why not. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they denied it. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of, like, interviews that are ha- that happen from jail. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. They That's how they did it. Mm. That's cool. So yeah, they they bring to, they kind of bring like to life his story through the animation because like like I said, a lot of the things that he did were alleged, right? But we kind of you know can, that it was yeah. him. It's like who the fuck else is right. stealing boats and, and planes. planes and crashing them? Yeah, yeah. So well, it's it's lucky for him that he he got his first few plane crashes out of the way before he like figured out how to actually fly a plane. Yeah, like that's. <laughs> That's lucky. Yeah. One of them, he was within 10 feet of running into this huge tree stump that would have absolutely, like, Demolished crushed him. him. Yeah. yeah. That is so scary. Yeah. He's, like, very smart and very talented in what he did, but also very lucky. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if he, he's going to get his degree. So he was released in 2016 and i don't know if they allow him to go to college while he's on supervised release mm, oh that sounds I mean, like I don't see why not he might have changed his mind i mm. uh, wants to do the public speaking thing yeah. and I, I cannot wait until i see a ted talk by colton yeah right <laughs> could you imagine be pretty cool so yeah i wonder i wonder if uh what will come of this uh after after covid all clears up to to see what he does yeah, I mean, if anything does happen, we'll we'll give an update. Yeah, we will but... give an update. Uh, I'm super interested to see what he does. Um, because he... How old is he now? I think he's like 28 or 29. That's it? I guess that makes sense. Yeah, because... Let's look at You up. do the math. You love the math. Uh, he's 29. He was born in 91. There you so, go. Yeah, he's got, he's got his life ahead yeah, of him. Yeah, he has his whole life ahead of him. He's not... Yeah. That's... So, and for what he did, he only spent about four years in prison. That's pretty. That, that's what I'm saying. Pretty light. He got so lucky. 
Yeah. He got so lucky. Like, I think people have gone to jail longer for possession of marijuana than yeah. he spent for stealing, yeah. stealing planes. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, like, kind of important to point out that he is, like, a white boy. So there is that. There is that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, they certainly took it easy on him. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, with that... Let's plug the socials. Sure, yeah. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram and keep up with the photos and links and, you know, whatever we post for each story, follow us at nottoday underscore podcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival or true crime or paranormal or anything interesting, really, we would love to do an episode where we read your stories. Um, send us an email at notodaypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok at nottodaypodcast. And yeah just keep breathing yeah yeah